The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour, a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. Okay, well, what are we drinking today? Something new. Campari cocktail. Okay. And we wanted to have a pre-dinner drink, so. Yeah. Aperitif is nice. So it's pretty simple. It's three quarters of an ounce of vodka and an ounce of Campari and a dash of Angostura bitters. Wow. Okay. You pour, it in a, pour that in a mixing tin with ice, shake it for a minute, and then strain into chilled glasses with a lemon twist. It's hard because you can't see. It's all cloudy yeah. and frozen, but there is a lemon twist in there, so don't choke on it. <laughs> okay. All right. It's a pretty color. Yeah. That's delicious. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. That'll start your juices going. Yeah. That's actually delicious. It's a leak factor. You get that bitterness here from the Campari. Mm-hmm. It just lights your taste I think the up. Angostura also brings out something different Absolutely. in the Campari. Absolutely, yeah. I think if you just went the Campari, you're going to only get the bitter orange. Yeah. And sometimes it's a little harsh. Right. And I think the Angostura mellows that. Yeah, it, it gives it, grabs it gives more other depth. flavor. Yeah. Right. The other, other essence out of it. So it's really, yeah. it's quite good. And because the vodka is cold, it's a yeah, really cold no, drink. So that's, that's the key is we had the vodka cold. Mm-hmm. Super great. Well done. The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA dot com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. Okay, the story of uh, chapter four, part three, our part three. Lots happening in this little section. So it's interesting. You know, the section begins with Jacqueline and Earl heading off to Cannes for a visit with a hairdresser, basically, a salon. Mm -hmm. And Jacqueline set it up because she knows the salon owner from the movie she was working on. And she has a little romantic interest in him. And or he does. Well, he least. certainly does, but yeah. she's looking at him sort of. Well, she uses it. To yeah, she hands. totally uses it. But she also has a, like a 
love-hate relationship with O developing. Like she's been a pretty distant. She hasn't really been interacting with her, mm-hmm. but she goes with her to this salon appointment. Mm-hmm. But at the table, as they were getting up, she makes an observation that leaves O blushing. Mm-hmm. And she sort of teases her about it. She sort of makes a humiliating comment. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what she says exactly, but oh, something like red is a good color for you. Mm-hmm. You know, then they get in the car and she's looking at O and, you know, she's looking at O sit on her dress and she's looking at her with her legs crossed and she's starting to be sort of critical about what O's kinda supposed dummy. to do. Kind of dummy, kind of alpha. Kind of alpha, yeah. Yeah. And they get back and O is sort of pissed at this. Well, she threatened O in the ride back mm-hmm. that she would tell Sir Stephen or Renee or whatever. Yeah. And then O's trying to think, well, I'll tell them about you. Right. You know, your tryst with other guys and all this business. Yeah. And, and I don't think she verbalized that. She was just thinking in her head, like, how would she get, put, back, get back at Jacqueline? Yeah. Right. And of course, when they get back, Jacqueline can barely stand herself long enough without blurting everything out. Right. Like she purposely went after O. Right. Now, the thing we stepped over at the front of that section, we learned that Natalie is all over O. And, yeah. you know, so Stephen is like, okay, Natalie, you can't. Well, he tells O she can't. Can't kiss, kiss her. her. She can't let her kiss her. She can't touch her. She can't touch her. But she is to watch every interaction of O, whether it's being used by Sir Stephen or being whipped. Right. Or making out with Jacqueline. Right. She's basically putting Natalie on a fast track to sexual slavery and Rossi. Right. Which Natalie's all, she's she's all on board. On. Yeah. And the only thing that bothers her is when she sees Jacqueline in her place, basically. Right. She gets jealous. Right. And it's part of that recognition by Jacqueline that O's interest is in Natalie, not in her, that has her turn the cold shoulder to O. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so that's the context that they go off to Cannes with. And in the car on the way back, as we noted, O is being essentially like criticized and teased and rudely dominated by Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. And they go and the Jacqueline rest. Jacqueline acts very much above the law, if you will. Mm. Like she acts like none of this applies to her, none, none of right. those things. And even O's recognition while they're at the Cannes hairdresser was to understand that Renee was completely smitten with Jacqueline and that there was no shared love experience between her and Renee anymore. And that she wondered about herself, like, why would I not be upset? Because not even two weeks before this, I was clamoring across town just to get to his office to interrupt him to get him to say, you know, I love you kind of thing. Right. Yet she doesn't care. You know, she talks about the type of dominance he had. He had paper chains and, you know, basically she made light of all the bondage or control he had over her as yeah. being faux or not worthy. And that Sir Stephen is the one that actually has the whip and the chains and actually shows right. dominance, right. which is what we've been saying this whole time is we said, Renee's not very dominant, man. It's kind of... She dismisses him entirely, and she recognizes that he was just getting her prepared for Sir Stephen. Right. But what I think she's upset about, even though she doesn't care about Renee's care for her in that way anymore, 
is that it's because Jacqueline has his attention and right. she's anti-Jacqueline. She is there. really. Yeah. And so that's her whole motive right now is that she is fine with Renee having some other interest, but it's Jacqueline and right. it just burns her up. Makes her mad. So they get home and they walk in and Renee's like, where are you? You're late. So Stephen's waiting for you. He says to her, He's not and, in a good mood. And Jacqueline says, oh, Renee, look, you know, look at how crumpled her dress is. And she even crosses her legs and she completely ignores your instructions. When and, she's away. When she's away. And Ode is like freaked out. And so she physically attacks Jacqueline. And in her effort to reach Jacqueline, Renee steps in and grabs her. Yep. And Jacqueline goes and lays on the couch. And at the moment, Sir Stephen steps in and basically says, let her go. Oh, come in here. Yes. And so they, they, they head into this room and... In the room, he uses her pretty hard. He fingers her, he fucks her, he kisses her deeply. Yeah, he's He pretty much goes primal. after her yeah. Yeah, in a very primal way. And she's like being, she's present, I think. She's real present To herself with him. as a submissive. And with him, that's why she doesn't notice everything else going around her. Yeah. And then they stop, and then she recognizes across the way with the open doors. That there's somebody out there. There's someone sitting in a chair facing this whole display she just did. Yeah. And what's interesting is this is a giant man, a huge man. Yeah. I mean, from this far away, she she says he's huge. He's huge. And Sir Stephen takes her outside to meet him. I don't know if that yet. I think what happens is she sees him. There's some nicety introductions, right? But then Nora comes in. Oh. Or he rings the bell. Well, that well, first they go outside. Yeah. He introduces her to the man he calls the commander. Yes. The commander takes her hand and kisses her hand, which she's aware is the first time that's occurred. She notices on his wristwatch the, the Rossi, Rossi insignia, insignia. Mm-hmm. right? So she gets like, oh, this is a Rossi thing. And she's sort of overwhelmed by the size of this guy. But then Sir Stephen says, come inside. Oh, and Natalie is standing there too. Not yet. That that, that hasn't come in yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So so they go inside and O sees on the table, there's whiskey and soda water and ice. And Sir Stephen rings and she goes, why is he ringing? And then Natalie comes in and the maid, Nora comes in Mm -hmm. and he says, Nora, undress her. So Nora takes all the clothes and she's left standing and there. And while she's doing that, Natalie's told to make them drinks. Natalie's told to make them drinks. And O assumes submissive stance. She looks down. She just stands there. In the middle and, of the room. And Natalie makes the drinks. And at that point, the man, the commander, stands And apparently up. the guy's been told what Natalie's capacity is. Because yes, he doesn't he, react Because there her. aren't questions going on in front of O. It's right. just all of a sudden Natalie then stands to the back. Right. And the man stands up, the commander, he stands up and he gets really pretty much into O's personal space. He doesn't really touch her, Mm-mm. but he inspects the Jerry's shit out of her. inspector, yeah. He inspects everything about her. And it gets to a place where she's like beginning to wonder if he's going to use her because he's just so in her space. Well, she but assumed that. She yeah. did say that. She assumed yeah. that he was there for to be used. You know, because she's not very aware of all the side conversations that are happening. Because we get no. it, we, we get a glimpse of that at the end of this section where she kind of says, well, she kind of thinks he might be using her because they talked about something for next week and he thanked Sir Stephen. Right. So she made some assumptions there, but she wasn't quite aware. She got really subby. Yeah, she wasn't aware of what the arrangement is. She assumed mm-hmm. that she's going to be 
off to Rossi or right. some, something's going to happen. It's going to be loaned to her for a week or something along those lines. Right. And then Natalie and O go up to her room. Mm-hmm. And sort of that's where we left off. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm interested in your point of view on this. So the relationship with Jacqueline, that's been decaying, you know. For a long time. For a long time. And it, I've always felt like the experience that O's going to suffer is she's going to be set aside and Jacqueline's going to be the one that they pay attention to. But now I have the, ex- the sense Natalie. that it's Natalie. Might be Natalie. Yeah, Natalie's being grouped. She's a virgin. She's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's a young thing. Mm-hmm. And she's like being eager, trained, and she's eager. Like she has yeah, yeah. that that desire, that sexual desire. So I think it's her. What I'm interested in is your perspective as a submissive. Like when you think about the way O's reacting to the circumstances she finds herself in now, where she's pretty much a sex slave at this point. There's no question about mm-hmm. consent anymore. No, I think she's confused. She thinks there's. So I'm not saying that slave and masters can't have relationship, right? But that's not what's happening here. I think she confuses a lot of things that happen here as relatedness, which would lead to relationship. Mm -hmm. She thinks some things are alignment when in fact they're not alignment. She's just been trained to do these things. And because she ex she's obedient and she executes them that there isn't any upset about this. Right. But that doesn't mean they're aligned and it doesn't mean they're related. And she infers a lot. Like she infers that she has a ton of collateral with Sir Stephen. Well, you know, he has been telling her he loves her. Yeah. But who, you know, come on, lots of guys, vanilla world too, say, I love you to get what they want. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think that the twist in this section for me that I didn't see coming. I sort of thought in the last section that Natalie would effectively be a bit player. She wouldn't amount to anything. Well, all of a sudden, Natalie is like the object of their desire. Yeah. You know? And they're using O to get to Natalie. To train. To train her, to recruit her, Mm -hmm. and to capture her. Yeah. I think Jacqueline is too high maintenance for them to want to turn her. That's interesting. That would create a lot of punishment in order to train her, which might break her. And the reason she's attractive is because of the way she's aloof and where she's in that mode, which, which might mean something else for somebody. I mean, you have to imagine that they have these sex slaves, but Sir Stephen might have a full on normal life, like might have a wife and kids and a full life. We don't know. Right. We don't actually know about. right? Right. And he's Polly, let's just say. So he loves his wife. That wouldn't change. Right. This is just an adjunct, right? And I mean, this is a very wealthy part of society. But I think this is unlikely. I think that, you know, he built a part of his home to accommodate the yeah, whipping. but it's off his study. And there are rules in certain times of this time when men were in charge. Oh, I suppose. Where so. you don't go into my study. Part of I mean, the patriarchy, yeah. I'm telling you, those, yeah, yeah, those yeah. are real things. I, I think that's probably so. Interesting section. I think we're getting to a head. So the question is, what's ahead at this point? So we're given a gesture toward the future. So there's something going to happen next week. We know that Natalie is likely to be recruited to Rossi. Well, that's what we're making assumptions. We don't at this we point, haven't heard anything, but no, we know that at, that's what it looks like that's on what paper. It, that's what it looks like. And we know that Renee is being essentially sidelined in the story. Well, Renee is, or we left him this point. He 
this is one of the things O said makes her mad about him entranced with Jacqueline is that they can go on walks with Sir Stephen or her or any group of people or, or sitting down at chairs and having drinks and talking and all this talking is happening and all these conversations are happening. And Renee is absolutely not present. Right. His mind, his essence is completely fawning for Jacqueline. At this point. Yeah. And if you think about Jacqueline's recent behavior with, O, yeah, this alpha kind of, well, women do this to each other. There's alpha, alpha women. women. Right. And if Renee is a submissive, which I think he is. Yeah. Then he thinks Jacqueline is like the, the shit. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. It's... I don't know where it's going to go. I just, yeah, I, I just get this sense about it because he is fawning for her. So in the movie, this section wasn't elaborated on. This was left out. No, of the movie. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is a whole new experience in the movie. Where this ends up is O is brought to an auction. Yes. In public, naked, chained by her chains like on a leash attached to her chains. But this doesn't sound like that's where this is going. Yeah, well, I don't know. And that could have, the movie could have skipped to an ending part. Right. You know, that's just how they did it for editing. That's just where we are now. Right. And whether this develops any further or not, but they, she put a lot of effort into explaining all the ways that Renee is detaching himself yeah. from, let's just say, reality mm -hmm. to live in this fantasy because he thinks i don't know if him and jacqueline are sleeping together maybe they are, they are they've yeah, alluded yeah. that they have been yeah, yeah, yeah. but she talks about the smile she has when she's with renee yeah. versus the smile she had with her quarter at camps yeah where the smile she had with renee was very like cold she smiled well with her, it was with a her smile mouth, with her mouth with her eyes but not with her eyes right and with this guy she gave him complete disdain there was not a she her face was rigid right she was peering underneath her glasses so that no one could see, but just examining his behavior. His fawning. His fawning. Yeah. yeah. She's, and judging it. Yeah. Judging the fawning. Yeah. She stands above it all. That's what she thinks. That's what she thinks. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll see where this goes. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! cheers.